0: you're listening to locked on college football kickoff live with myself drake toll of locked on big 12 kenton gibbs of locked on acc and alex dono of locked on canes live every friday from noon to 1 eastern time wherever you get your locked on favorites on youtube let's take a look around the country in college football Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. That is Alex Dono of Locked On Canes, Kenton Gibbs of Locked On ACC, and Locked On Wolfpack. Drake Toll of Locked On Big Twelve. Thank you for making Locked On College Football Kickoff Live your lunchtime listen every single Friday wherever you get your Locked On College podcast, guys. Let's start with the biggest news in college football: another wild week and a wild scandal. Kenton, look, you played the game in college. I want to pitch this one to you because what we've learned is that Michigan, they've got your signals. They know your play calls. This might be one of the wildest on-field scandals in college football history. How much of a competitive advantage is it when you know every
1: other team's plays? You know, Deion Sanders said that uh, it's—it's you still got to physically stop it. And it's not like baseball where if you know the curve is coming, you can sit on it. Dion, I say this with all due respect. You are mm-hmm. physically one of the most gifted human beings to ever step foot on this earth. This is one of those what if God was one of us, just to slop like one of us moments, because you can't relate to us regular football players who were good enough to make the D1 and maybe even the NFL, but not one of the all-time great. It's an immense advantage. It's an immense advantage. But I do want to say this: even though it's an immense event advantage, I don't know why I keep struggling with ad instead of advantage, but anyway. It's an immense advantage. However, let the penalty be whatever the penalty is for this type of violation. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm sick of seeing like people saying, oh, Harbaugh needs to be banned from the NCAA forever. Michigan needs to vacate every win they've had under Harbor. Listen, the reality is very simple. Whatever the penalty is across the board, levy it here. Now, if this is a unique situation, which the NCAA doesn't have a penalty drawn up for, I would ask why make a rule against something if you don't already have a penalty legislated mm-hmm. for it as well. That doesn't make sense to me. But with that being said, again, I'm not one of those people that's like, well, it doesn't matter. You could have everything that a team is going to do. That's a lie. If I know what your team is going to do, I can easily you know, stop what you're going to do with a team that is on the same level, maybe even slightly inferior to you. Um, so I think that this is a serious scandal. This is a serious problem. This is something that is seriously going wrong, but we're not going to nail the man to the cross. We don't believe in capital punishment for college football crimes. So let's relax.
0: Yeah, Dono, I, I this is something that's been in place for 30 years. This rule, you can't, no in-person scouting, and obviously it's been broken. The one thing that I keep coming back to is the head coach of a program knows everything that goes on within it. How would one rogue staffer steal signs and bring that to a competitive advantage under the head coach's nose, especially when he's been doing it for the last three years and the team's been winning the last three. Help me piece this together that Jim Harbaugh was in the dark the entire time.
2: Well, it's a no win for Harbaugh, at least it should be because either you did know what was going on, which is bad, or if you didn't know what was going on, how do you not realize what your staff members are doing under your nose? So it's a lack of oversight or... He's part of it, and I understand, I guess, for Harbaugh, the lesser of two evils would be to say I had no idea what was going on, so he's going to play that card. And, you know, I've sought a wide range of opinions on this over the past week. I've talked to, you know, a lot of people who are, you know, strictly broadcasters who didn't play football at that level who tend to say, well this is happening everywhere and they're making an example out of Michigan. But I also talked to, you know, and, and Kenton gave an excellent opinion on this people who actually played the game at the college level and and they tend to take it a lot more seriously. And you know what? I'm going to default to player opinions over strictly broadcaster opinions on this. Uh, I've talked with a former Miami quarterback, Malik Rozier about it. And, and he's pretty, he's pretty offended by the whole concept of this. And I, and guys, listen, I'm sure that at a certain level, this does happen at other places, that Michigan aren't the first program to wake up in the morning and say, hey, we could be getting a competitive advantage by figuring out signals. But based on the details and the evidence that's been flowing out over the past week, I don't know if anybody's doing it the way Connor Stallions has done it. I mean, yeah. that is an obsessive <laughs> yeah. dedication, even even going back to during COVID when he couldn't get to games in person and he had to, you know, strictly do it based on film. Then, of course, now he's buying tickets to all these Big Ten games, left right? I mean, I don't know if anybody's doing it like that. This is like a, a smooth criminal operation that Connor yeah. Stallions was running.
0: And the one team that he missed out on last year, the TCU Horned Frogs. He just didn't. Well, <laughs> well. One I, matchup that he overlooked.
1: Can I say one thing? Can I say one thing? Well, yeah. Ken, I, I, said, I want
0: you to go into this, but I, I also, I've got a question for you very specific here. Okay, right? We talked about this a bit off the air, but you, you, again, you played college football. This seems right. If, if an opposing team reads your snap count yeah. in, and in baseball, an opposing team reads your signals. That's part of the game. Yeah. A, at what point is this on a coaching
1: staff for not having a variety of signals? So, and, and the, to me, the deal is this. Honestly and truly, I believe that this is all on the coaches to make their signals more complicated, 100% mm-hmm. on the coaches. However, you violated a rule. It's not yeah. illegal. If Connor was on the sideline, let's say he had a Rainman esque ability, he could stand on the sideline, look at your signals, and say, Ah, I can cut exactly through who the decoys are. This is the real signal. This is what this signal means. And he was telling them, Hey, this is their signal. We would all be offended by it, but guess what? Find your own Rainman that's that's what your your <laughs> task would be at that point in time right yeah but the reality of this thing is you broke the rules yeah. you broke the rules again i'm not saying that teams should you know make it simple and say hey we're running 36 power right like we're not going back to those days that's never happening but teams need to make their um make their Signs more elaborate, and I know that that sucks because we want to see football players play fast and play free and play loose. And you know, the the old saying in football is if you're out there thinking, you're out there stinking. But the reality is, this needs to be a situation where the teams have to take the onus on this because, yes, what Connor was doing is illegal. There are other ways to get other teams' signs, and um, in terms of calling him like a criminal mastermind or something like that. Yeah. what criminal mastermind uses venmo <laughs> yeah what criminal mastermind is buying all of these tickets on a call yeah. if he was a, I'm, I'm gonna tell you now i i'm come from the west side of detroit i know a few people who dabble in underhanded dealings and the smart ones know everything you do needs to be done in cash in a very mm. the least traceable way possible so that if anything happens and people are like wait where did that money come from Or where did that money go i don't know what money what do you see any money? I don't see any money around here. Where's the money? So, you no, know, let's slow the criminal mastermind talk here. Fair. Cri-
0: just criminal would be yeah, perfect. Just criminal. Just, yeah. Let's just, just criminal call him criminal. We'll just leave criminal it right there. Exactly. Guys, I, w- I want to take you back to week five as we preview college football this week. We all said that the national rhetoric was it's a boring week in college football. And that week gave us. Auburn scaring Georgia and only losing by a possession. It gave us that wild game between USC and Colorado as the Buffs almost came back. Notre Dame at Duke, Ole Miss hosting LSU. We thought it'd be a bust and it ended up being one of the most fun weeks we've seen in college football. And we get it all again this week. Week in and week out, it has been a wild season. And one of the biggest matchups of the week, Utah and Oregon. I've got my, this is where I'm going to have my eyes this weekend as a huge game in the Pac-12. We've got JT Wistersil to join us to talk about our biggest game of the week. JT Worcestershire sauce here on Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. JT man, you're talking to Utah Utes team whose defense has been nails. And you talk about the game against USC and how good the Utes looked. Cam rising or not, Utah is a force here in the Pac 12.
3: They really are, and they just continue to find ways to win games, whether it's converting a safety to a running back who has not only been sensational in the running game, but also the passing game last week where he really torched the Trojans. But Kyle Whittingham, just in the midst of one of his most impressive coaching performances, Utah – Look, every Utah team runs the ball well and is really good defensively. This year in particular, I feel like they've been really impressive. And now we're at the point here where somehow without Cam Rising, without Brant Keithy, two guys who were both voted to be top 100 players in college football this season and two of the best at their position, in my opinion, still, this team is still 6-1 and one right now and in a position where if they could find a way to beat Oregon here, everything's still on the table for them with the amount of injuries they suffered. It still seems crazy that we're in this position.
1: So, JT, let me ask you this, okay? Mm-hmm. In looking at this game, and you said everything is still in front of Utah, what is everything? Is everything as high as, hey, this is a playoff appearance if we can pull off some upsets here late, or is this a, eh, we can do, we could pull off the Pac-12 championship and win one for the Gipper on our way out the door? What does that look like for you? I
3: mean, just in terms of like what is still on the table at the exact moment, there is a world where this team can get to the college football playoff. Now, I will say that seems really tough to do, but... Look, if Utah were to beat Oregon, the biggest game left on their season would be Washington. If they were to go in the Husky Stadium and emerge with a victory, then I imagine they're in the Pac-12 championship game. And, you know, for the last couple of seasons, Utah has been counted out every time they've been in that Pac-12 championship game. And they find ways to win as they do so frequently, whether it is with a pig farmer at quarterback or just guys stepping up all across the board defensively. Uh, It just has been a bad business betting against Kyle Whittingham, especially at
2: home where Utah hasn't lost a true home game since 2018. JT I love watching this Utah team because they they're so physical and I love watching them play defense and you know they they've definitely had Oregon's number in recent yeah. years uh, obviously Oregon is uh, Washington game aside where they were very good in defeat they they're having a tremendous year what areas concern you most going up against the Oregon Ducks you know where, what do you think are the key matchups that Utah has to win
3: Utah has to be able to run the ball. Bryson Barnes has done a fine job, but he's still a game manager. If the game falls onto his shoulders, Utah will not win this game. But that's where the running attack really getting going for Utah as it has in the past week will be a huge benefit for them with that two-headed monster that's been Jaquindin Jackson and Sioni Baki. So if Utah can run the ball, go on long, methodical drives, keep a Heisman guy who very well could be a Heisman finalist come the end of the season on the sideline for as long as you can, that'll be really successful for Utah. Another thing that would really help Utah in this game is win the turnover battle. If they can give this Utah offense some short fields, if the Utah defense can get some strip sacks, maybe pick off Bo Nix. It's only happened once this season, but still, this is a defense that was able to do it against Caleb Williams. They've had success doing it at other points on the season. So I I really like this Utah defense and especially how they play at home. Let's not forget this Utah defense at home this season has yet to allow over 15 points and that's with playing teams like ucla florida and even recently cal so and cal's not as much of a obviously a intimidating presence but still that's an offense that had a little bit more momentum and it's just hard to hold teams under two touchdowns in college football today in general and utah's been really good at doing that at home
1: oh you're muted you
0: somebody else did that JT I've seen I've seen this Utah team live and one thing that stuck out the most to me was the just the word opportunistic they it seems like this team just knows how to win down in late game situations they've come back to win I was shocked they lost that game at Oregon State only scored seven points they've responded by scoring 34 points in consecutive weeks is this just a new look Utah I mean who woke up it was a Bryson Barnes being
3: reinserted at quarterback. When you were at the Baylor game, you mentioned that's what led to Bryson getting benched. He was bad in that game, and Terrible. Utah kind of made the knee-jerk reaction. They went with Nate Johnson. Nate Johnson was the main reason they only had seven against Oregon State. Ever since they've gone back to Bryson, Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator at Utah, feels more comfortable with him. They've opened more things up offensively. Passing attack has been a little better, but I think if you were asking me what's really right with the offense the last two weeks, I have to go with the emergence of Sione Vaki for what he's meant in the ground game and the passing attack. He had one touchdown in particular against USC where this is a guy who's a defensive back, and he scores on a couple of these plays where just guys who are not used to playing offense should not be doing the types of things he's doing. Travis Hunter gets a lot of hype, but for the last two weeks, the best two-way football player in college football has been residing in Salt Lake City in Sione Vaki.
0: JT, before we get you out of here, give me a score prediction. Oregon-Utah Saturday. It's going to be another thrilling matchup, but I think the
3: Utah defense playing at home, this is a Rice-Eccles Stadium that is very tough to play, and you hear the best analysts in the game come into Rice-Eccles Stadium, and they always talk about how loud it is in that stadium. That noise will make a difference. Oregon will put up their worst offensive performance, as teams tend to do inside Rice-Eccles Stadium, and I think it's going to be a very close game that Utah barely squeaks out late as they win the turnover battle, and I'm going to go Utah 28-27.
0: Wow, that is 28 points for the Utes this week. Just the same amount of consonants that JT still has in his day. we got to get you a vowel somewhere in there. <laughs> JT, thanks for joining and breaking down our game of the week. Appreciate you guys. Coming up here real soon, it is my favorite segment. It's sell me why, but first we take it to Dono. Guys, it's time for our Game
2: Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. And I'm going with Billy Napier. I know we've poked fun at the Florida coach at times this year, but what an opportunity he has going up against Georgia. No Brock Bowers, world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Telling you guys, the man we've called LinkedIn, Billy, if he wins this game, he can delete that LinkedIn profile. And just like Billy Napier, Athletic Brewing Company is completely changing the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They brew great tasting, award-winning beers. They beat out full strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. They're fit for all times. So you can drink them anytime, anywhere, and there's no hangovers ever, which is a big plus. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First time customers can use code LOCKED ON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKED ON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing, athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply.
0: All right, fellas, let's jump into Sell Me Why he, in the second. Of our two top 25 matchups this weekend, the number 18-ranked Louisville Cardinals are four-and-a-half-point favorites as they host the 20th-ranked Duke Blue Devils. Here is Locked on
4: Louisville to sell you why the Cardinals will cover. Hey, what's going on, everyone? I'm Dalton Pence, host of the Locked on Louisville podcast. The 18th-ranked Louisville Cardinals enter the weekend. Four-and-a-half-point favorites, according to FanDuel Sportsbook against the 20th-ranked Duke Blue Devils. I'm here to tell you why I believe the Cardinals will cover the spread. It's going to be a mainly defensive game. You're likely going to be sweating out the result up until the very end. Both teams take a lot of pride in their rushing attack and their defense. The main thing for me in this matchup is the availability of Duke star quarterback Riley Leonard as he re-aggravated his ankle injury last week against Florida State. I feel like that. Coupled with Louisville's ability to play well at home and looking to bounce back against a loss against Pittsburgh, I feel as if Louisville will cover the four and a half point spread. Look for Jawar Jordan to have a solid game bouncing back from injury.
0: Yeah. Kenton Gibbs, is this Riley Leonard or bust for Duke?
1: Absolutely. A thousand percent. You look at that game against Florida State, they lose it 38 to 20, right? Do you know what the score was when Riley Leonard got hurt? 20 to 17 Duke led. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I I don't believe that I need to give you any more. My case is resting peacefully. It's got his snuggie. It's got his nightlight. It's listening to Anita Baker on the way to bed. That's, that's the type of thing that is happening here because there's no other argument to be made in terms of is, can Duke go? Can Duke get it done without Riley Leonard? I mean, he is objectively the engine that makes the car go, the brakes that make sure the thing stop. He is, you know, um in the words of of uh Barry White, they're first, they're last, they're everything. He's the guy there, and so without him, I don't see a world in which um Louisville doesn't outright win, let alone cover.
0: Uh, Donna, we're talking about the same Louisville team who in their last game got trounced. I mean, pummeled by Pitt. Uh, can we have this much confidence in the car confidence in the Cardinals?
2: Uh, I've got enough to say that they're going to cover, uh, unless by some miracle Riley Leonard plays. Because again, uh, Duke, there's a huge drop off from Leonard to Beelan. I mean, in the game that Beelan won, he threw four passes in that game. You're not going to beat Louisville. Only throwing four passes is just not going to happen. And again, that that's a tremendous player. And obviously, Duke has been on the uptrend the last couple of years, but they are still very, very dependent on their starting quarterback. And so listen, I, I try not to judge a team now that, you know, teams have played seven, eight games. You know, you get a pretty good idea of who teams are. I try not to judge a team strictly based on their best or worst performance. Uh, I think Louisville can bounce back and they're going to win and cover.
0: How about the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? That is tomorrow. The Georgia Bulldogs are 14 and a half point favorites over the Florida Gators. Who've been fairly streaky this season. Gators. Open its three touchdown favorite. Georgia opens three touchdown favorites over the Gators. Here's Brandon Olson of Locked On Gators to show you why Florida will cover 14 and a half. The Florida Gators are going
5: to cover the 14 and a half point spread against the Georgia Bulldogs in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. The Georgia Bulldogs are one in four against the spread in their last five games where they've been double digit favorites. They're zero and seven in one against the spread against unranked teams in their last eight games. They're also playing this game without Brock Bowers, who is simultaneously their best pass catcher and their best offensive lineman. This game is one of those times where you just take all of the logic and throw it out the window. One of these rivalry games where all you know is it's going to get weird. Locked on Gators, locked on Bulldogs. For once, we unanimously agreed, Georgia wins. Florida covers 14 and a half point spreads. It's going to be a close one. It almost always is. Even last year, Georgia was favored heavy, did not cover the spread there. This is a better Florida Gator team than they were last year. Florida will cover 14 and a half points. Go Gators.
0: Yeah, guys, I think this game could truly be as entertaining as Dono's shirt. That There's a lot. I, I'm just, you know, <laughs> I gave it 20 minutes into the show. There's a lot going on there, Dono. We'll pitch it to you first. Florida, Georgia, 14 and a half in any rivalry game feels like a pretty big swing. Yeah. And again, as I mentioned previously, you get now we're past
2: the halfway point of the season. Every team has played at least seven games. You have a pretty good idea who teams are. And Georgia is a team that is probably still the best team in the country when they're truly motivated. But they haven't been truly motivated throughout the year. And this is a rivalry game. And guys, when you talk about sell me why and the spreads, most important stat for me is Georgia on the year one, five and one against the spread. That doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence that they're going to beat Florida by more than two touchdowns at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Now, one area and I am picking Florida to cover and like Brandon said, cover and still lose a relatively close game. The one thing that concerns me from the Florida side, why I'm going to sweat this out, even if I beat even if I bet Florida plus 14 and a half, uh, which is where the number is now. uh, Florida had been so bad on third downs this year. 33%, that ranks 108th in the country, converting third downs. That's troublesome. Seven games into the season, but at the same time, no Brock Bowers. Georgia has only covered one spread and one push all season long. I'm going with Florida to cover.
0: Yeah, Ken, is there any way that Florida not just covers, but also finds a way to win this game?
1: Yeah, there's very much so a way. I don't think that Georgia is... This is not the Georgia teams that we've seen in the past. oh This is not. All right. This is not a, a, a Georgia team with uh, Davis and Nolan and and Smith and all those guys and Walker and all those guys. This is not that that team. This is a very good Georgia team. Yeah. This is a a Georgia program that now they don't rebuild. They reload. Love that for them. Love that for them. But this is not that type of team. Just with all due respect, what have we seen? All year that says, hey, this Georgia team, not only can they whoop the wheels off you, they're going to whoop the wheels off you. You can go ahead and not only schedule an L, you can go ahead and say, whatever the spread is, add seven to it. That's how much they're going to beat you by. That is not this team that we're looking at right now. So yeah, Florida can definitely do it. Graham Mertz is going to have to put on a special performance. That running game is going to have to show up. The defense is going to need some timely stops, but there's a very... There's, there's a possibility. I wouldn't be shocked if we are coming back here next Friday saying, oh, Florida is somebody's boom team, and Brendan doesn't need to mute anybody. Now, now, here, here's a question I'll ask both of you guys, though. Is this one of
2: those things where in Florida's case, you know, you're going up against the top team in the country. If you lose this game by three points, by six points, is there a moral victory to be had here? Because overall, I'm not much of a moral victory guy, uh, but yeah. when it comes against the number one team in the country, two-time national defending champions, can Florida come away from this winners even if they don't win the game outright?
0: I'm going to go no uh, on that one. I'm, I'm going to go no because there are certain scenarios, first-year head coach... You play yeah. a great team club. I mean, I watched I know this is personal. It's not going to make a lot of sense to many folks. 2017 Baylor goes one and 11 builds the foundation for a team that goes to a sugar bowl two years later. Cause they lost a lot of close games. That's a great learning lesson for a young team. This is a Florida team with a coach who's been there long enough to be on the hot seat. Now that needs to start winning big games to stay in the sec. The sec is not eight and four every season. Florida is not nine and three every season. You saw the same reason. Mark rick got fired at Georgia. Obviously worked out well for them. Look at Bo Pelini at Nebraska was the complete opposite. So where does Florida go from here? You've got to win a game like this. If you only lose by three, there's no, well, man, those Gators played great this week. Not how the fan bases work in the SEC.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. When I talk all the time about there are certain teams where eight and four perennially is not enough. And there are certain teams where eight and four forever gets you a statue built. uh, Florida is the former, not the latter. Uh, This Mm -hmm. is the reality where, Not only is this a Georgia team that has looked human all year, this is your rival. This is your rival. You can't, you know, losing close to your rival is not ever going to be a moment where it's like, oh, they're really good this year, so it's okay. It's like, no, these people at the Florida Georgia line, they're going to be making fun of me all year because you (laughs) went in there and you got close. you almost, close only counts with horseshoes and grenades. And last time I checked, neither one of those are on the football field. I would hope not, right? Although Connor Connor Stallions
0: would probably find a way to work them into a game plan. He he
1: (laughs) did go to Navy. He did go
0: to the Navy. Academy.
1: (laughs) I'm just saying he went to a service academy. I'm just saying.
0: Guys, uh, there. Jeez, look, it's, it's on the script, so I have to read it. There's a freeze warning in Auburn, Alabama. Get it, guys? A freeze warning? (laughs) The weather's 82 degrees there Saturday. God bless. The Auburn Tigers are six-and-a-half-point favorites over Mississippi State Bulldogs team that didn't allow six points last week. Here
6: is Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn to sell you why the Tigers will cover. Do you ever look at your reflection in the mirror and say, man, if we were to really just go at it, it would be ugly. That's kind of what's going to happen on Saturday at Jordan Hare stadium. I'm Zach Blackerby, host of locked on Auburn and the Auburn tigers and the Mississippi state cowbells, very similar teams. When you look at them uh, questions at quarterback Mississippi state's riding with their backup quarterback. Auburn has multiple starting quarterbacks. Both teams need to run the football in order to generate any sort of offense. And I think both defenses are actually solid. I think they're, fine, uh, by SEC standards. I think what it comes down to is Auburn's roster is better than Mississippi State's roster, and the talent that is on Mississippi State's roster isn't playing. Starting quarterback, not expected to play, starting running back, left the game early in their uh, their win against Arkansas last week, and it's been really quiet out of Starkville regarding his return. I I think those two guys missing time is why Auburn will cover that six and a half point spread. And also Auburn needs this win to go bowling this season, much like Drake toll really needs a haircut back to you guys. I I just got one too. I got the (laughs) flow in the, I mean, I just got one guys.
0: Look, there's a paint drying competition in Frisco this weekend. I've been on the circuit, and I, I'm thinking it's right. It's at the same time. It's at two thirty. I already got tickets. I think I'm going to go to that instead of watching Auburn and Mississippi State. I, I almost lean with Zach Blackerby because this game feels like a slug, a gross slugfest that Auburn finds a way to pull out ten to three. Kenton Gibbs.
1: Yeah, you know, first of all, let's just address something. I'll never look in the mirror and say if you were to go out, it'd be ugly. Yeah, Big, well, a, how I'm interesting a is that? I'm the sex appeal on this show, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm the sex symbol on this ever, Let's not do that. By the That's way, bad. we
0: should throw out there, if you ever look at the mirror and think about fighting yourself, we should probably open up a much more,
1: yeah. <laughs> a much more yeah. heavy
0: conversation. Well, they made a
1: movie about that, Fight Club. We do, yeah, uh, yes. we, do, we do ask for better help all the time. I'm sure Zach Blackerby <laughs> has to read them. I'm just saying, just saying. Also,
0: Donna, way to give away the end of Fight Club. That was You had
1: one rule here. Zach, Zach Blackerby one is
2: Tyler Durden, apparently. <laughs> wow.
1: Well, um, no, but seriously, I think they're Auburn covers because Mississippi State is not a good team, and they're not a good team that's also very banged up. Yeah, very banged yeah. up. At this point in time in the season, everybody's a little hurt. Everybody's got a little gimp to their walk. Everybody's a little... But they don't have, not as many teams have as many pivotal positions that are clearly, this player's not going to play. Will Rogers is one of the guys on that team. that He's one of the heart and soul guys. If he's not available, what's going to happen with that team? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's a very tough ask of them. And if you say, well, Mississippi State's defense has really turned it on. Have they? Or is Arkansas just bad? The game before that, they allowed 28 against Western Michigan, I want to say it was. So yeah. what are we really doing here? Like, I, I think that Auburn covers this thing comfortably. Yeah, really good defenses
0: don't usually lead to the opposing team firing their offensive coordinator in the midweek, which is what Arkansas did following that output against Mississippi State. Dono, where do you sit with Auburn and the Bulldogs?
2: Yeah, hesitantly, I stand with Auburn covering uh, based on everything Kenton said, everything Blackerby said. The only place where, again, I have caution because one of the things I try to do every week is look at, especially past the midway point, how teams have performed against the spread this year. Auburn's been another dud there, two and five against the spread this season. But if anything, I think maybe this is working in their favor because they might be undervalued for that reason. Mississippi State is so banged up. I think Auburn gets their third win against the spread this week.
0: Well, guys, coming up, we're going to do booms and busts from last week. Who did you see that you liked? Who did you see that needs some work or even needs to brush up on their LinkedIn profiles? But first, we'll take it to Dono.
2: Well, yeah, because, guys, you need to be checking out game time. Do you think frustrating situation, buying tickets at the last minute? It shouldn't be frustrating. It's never frustrating on the game time app. Guys, guys. Uh, I'm looking at $1 tickets for some of the college football games this season. You want to buy these last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And guys, the game time guarantee is so clutch. You will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You got to download the game time app. Create an account and use code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price,
0: guaranteed. Hey guys, let's rock into some booms or busts this week. Kent and Gibbs, we'll start with you. You got me a give me a boom, give me a bust. What are you, what are you thinking?
1: Well, I mean, there are so many teams that that I look at here and I say, oh man. This team could be so special, it's rare that booms and busts give me joy. It's, it's very rare. But this one, I take pride in. This one makes my heart smile to give. The North Carolina Tar Heels, come on down. Oh, on
0: down. you can't do that. Oh,
1: McCullough Brown, come on down. Drake May, Taz Walker, come on down. I Now, I've heard, apparently, the governor and the AG are calling to see if they get the results of the game overturned because they are <laughs> they are willing to put in calls uh, for UNC. Man. But it appears that Tony 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 has done it again. Tony Musket, Tony Elliott, they've gotten this thing done. And I'll tell you what, it to me, the the very interesting thing about this is the fact that Mac Brown, and the way that Mac Brown does, in his way, in his special Mac Brown way, says, Well, I think the biggest uh, the biggest place we could place blame for this loss or one of the places we could place blame for this loss is that students didn't come to the game on fall break. My yeah. brother in Christ, are you serious? Yeah. Are you, are you for real right now? Are you I like, as much as you're getting paid to do your job, that is where you go with this. That is where you go with it. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, it, at the end of the day, Duke had a similar situation. Their students didn't show up during fall break. NC state fans took over their student section and yet they still run the game by three tutties. I'm sorry (laughs) to tell you the fans aren't on the field with you. My brother in Christ, you've got to get the job done. And for my boom. Uh, a team that they may see a very, very large. Dude, well, we're
0: time. supposed to split these up. You're on a heater right oh, now. Oh, I'm sorry. You're giving you me your it. booms you and your bus. Oh, you I'm,
1: just I'm sorry. I'm sorry hijacking man. the segment, Ken.
0: What are we doing here? I,
1: I'm sorry. I just got so excited. I love it's talking. It's too late. It's too. giving your boom. Well, my boom. That Like I said, they got a bus coming from the NCAA coming soon, but a boom versus their rivals. 49-0. to oh, They yeah. knew the
0: other team's plays.
1: <laughs> my Lord. <Stop>. My Lord. <laughs> They Michigan State been doing. Michigan State, did you pinch him? Did you did you get on the field? Did you were they, were they running plays versus air? Because oh my lord! And, and remember when we talked about this last week in the Me Why we said Michigan is not going to call off the dogs. Harbaugh for sure proved us wrong because he actually did call off the dogs and still beat them by forty nine. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Oh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. It is tough to see a team lose that badly to their rival. And then you say, "Well, the coach has to get fired." LOL, JK. Their coach is already fired.
2: Right. So how many? How many can you, know.
1: you fire in one year? <laughs> it, it, it's it's just some nasty work going on. But Michigan, absolute domination. Not even close. You know, those are my booms and buzz. I'm, I'm gonna shut up for the rest of the segment because my heart is it's fit.
2: It's fit. And, and, and by the way, the- I believe I I know at least me. You guys might have as well. I had Michigan covering last week because yeah. Uh, yeah. I I I just knew like that. That one was one of the easier calls last week. Yeah. They we're gonna
0: have no problem yeah. with that. Yeah. Dono, when it comes to you, booms and busts. I know you're a big boom guy. You 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 hate the pessimistic side of college football. What do you got for us this week? Well,
2: I, I'm going I do have some bo- some busts actually. I mean, Kenton Kenton already already took yeah. one of mine, which is fine. Is it needed to be said? And he probably said it better than I could on UNC. But yeah. another bust yeah. was USC. I mean, mm-hmm. that defense. And listen, I know, I know, and I I, I mentioned I love I love watching Utah play. Uh, but their their offense is not as good as they looked last week. Like, USC is a slump buster. You go up against your defense, that is a get-right game for any offense in the country. They lose to Utah 34-32 last week, two straight losses now for the Trojans. And it's gotten, you know, so bad there on, on one side of the football that you've got Emmanuel Acho out there saying that no. Caleb Williams should, yeah. should, should should just sit the rest of the seat, which to me, it's it's ridiculous on so many levels, including the fact that, listen— You know, 10 years ago, even well, even a few years ago, you're not making NIL money. He's being compensated very well to suit up and play the cut. Stop it. He's not quitting on his team the rest of the year. But that's how bad it's been so bad for USC. That's how much of a bust they've been these last couple of games. You've got people saying their quarterback should shut it down and get ready for the NFL. Now, my boom. This is going to be and, – and you guys may not like this because we already – both of you guys already said you don't believe in moral victories oh. under most circumstances. Are you going to give me
0: a boom who lost the game? I'm going to give you a
2: boom who oh, lost the game. Gosh. UCF. UCF is <laughs> not a good football Ooh. team. But they, UCF, look, was the better team on the field in Norman, Oklahoma, for most of that game. I was yeah. really impressed with what ended up being a 39-29 to loss for UCF. So – This may be show history. I may never be allowed to do this again, but I'm giving my boom to a team who lost their game. Yeah, we see I'll... you
1: with the Italy shirt, and we're throwing soggy tomatoes at you uh, to, to kind of drench you there. Because now, and is... that was,
2: I will say something. I mean, Dylan Gabriel is very relieved that his team ended up winning that game because uh, he's, a for, he's a former UCF quarterback. So that, that was one he could not afford to lose under any circumstances. The, uh, the
0: Italian ad read guy has given us a boom this week who lost the game. Uh, Alex Dono, one of a kind. I uh, Look, I, I'm not going to let a couple of these teams get out of here without being, and they're not going to be my boss, but I do got to bring them up. Iowa this week. What? I mean, you can't, you're, you can't. You can't let it come down to Brian Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz. If your last name's Ferentz, who knows? You'll we'll still be in Iowa City next season. 12-10. They lost to Minnesota and hit the under in one of the lowest over-unders in college football. Power five history. Uh, South Carolina who we were so excited about. Spencer Rattler preseason fell to two and five with a 34-12 non-competitive loss to Missouri. You're a bust this week. How about Tennessee? Who's got Alabama right where they want them? And you fall apart in the second half. You guys already mentioned UNC as a top 10 team. You can't do it. You can't do it. And then before I get to my official bust, The referees in the Texas and Houston game. The kids a yard past the first down marker. You mark him short. Dana Holgerson, no challenge. In the end, Texas wins, and the game is effectively taken out of Houston's hands there at the very end. My bust of the week, though, I'm getting ready. I'm juiced up. I tell you, I'm in my Snuggie on Saturday. I'm watching college game day, and I'm excited for Ohio State, Penn State. And when I tell you, Ohio State... Gave Penn State's offense so many opportunities to just show up on the field. Yep. Uh, Penn State just drive after drive. All right, here's where. The game's still close. Here's where they – oh, they got another possession. No, oh, maybe they figured it out this time. And Penn State couldn't muster a thing. Couldn't muster. Drew Aller was in a blender. He looked worse than Don shirt. 18 for 42. One touchdown pass when he <laughs> – <laughs> One touchdown pass late in the game. By that time, it's effectively sealed. And I could not have been more disappointed, Canton, with Penn State. I agree.
1: I agree. Had their offense bothered to show up at all. At all. Had their offense bothered to be relevant when their numbers called, as Robert and I would say, they would have been fine. They would have actually had a shot. And and the the crazy thing about it is you look at that Penn State defense and you look at how Ohio State basically had one game plan offensively: get the ball to the Italians, and in this in this instance, the Italian's name was Marvin Harrison Jr. They said, "Get the we ball, to Marvin." Him. Yes, Maserati is it, Marv? Is that it? Maserati or Marv. Gus Johnson, <laughs> Johnson just—I just, don't know what Marv is paying <laughs>
0: Gus Johnson, but he was excited Saturday.
1: <laughs> and listen, listen, who wouldn't be excited Saturday to see somebody do some productive offensively oh God, yeah. with the mm-hmm. mess that we saw from Penn State? Yeah, what, what? I, and I I mean this very genuinely because, you know, fooled me one time, shame on you. Fooled me twice, can't get fooled again. James Franklin, you're cooked. You're cooked with me. I'm never betting on you in a big game again. I'm never rolling with you in a big game again. This right here is why I'm not a better, because you had the you let the whole team down. Everybody's rooting for you. Everybody's saying, this is your year. You can do it. And you say, LOL, JK, we don't want it. We don't want too much pressure. Lights too bright. Disappointing.
2: By the way, yeah. something I need to look up now. If if that was the lowest game Gus John lowest scoring game Gus Johnson has ever called, because usually just him being at a game just automatic yeah. barn burner. It's like exactly. forty five to forty two. I mean, exactly. he had twenty six combined points to call in this game. But I, I'm with you, Kenton and and Drake on what you were saying about Penn State because I kept. Like I, I kept watching this Penn State content last week because it was such a big game. I was checking out, you know, some some of their uh, even beyond locked on Nittany Lions, which is fantastic. But I'm I'm going around and seeing what people are writing and saying about Penn State, and there seemed to be this idea that, hey, like our offense hasn't opened up because it hasn't had to. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Drew Aller's going to be going deep left and right. Our offense is going to turn it on. Well. Sometimes you are what the first six games said you are, and that's that seems to be the version that showed up against Ohio State.
0: Yeah. Now, guys, before we get into some LinkedIn, who needs to brush up on that LinkedIn hot seat conversation this week, I do want to give you a, a boom, and that's the BYU Cougars. We've skipped over a lot of the Big 12 this season because it's been a conference of mostly nobodies. So let's be honest about it. I was locked on Big 12, and there is no really relevance in national in the national picture from the Big 12 as we speak. Oklahoma State scoring 28 points, moving to 5-2, and 3-1. and one. They're going to vie for a conference title to try to keep a Red River rematch from making itself known in Arlington. BYU over Texas Tech, 27-14. And then Kansas State over TCU. Kansas State, another team that's going to give Texas or OU a run for its money. But these these BYU Cougars, their defense stepping up to push Joey McGuire and Texas Tech to 3-5. Oh, how gross is that for a guy in year two that won eight games last season, BYU now sneaky five and two, two and two in Big Twelve play. The only new team having success in this conference, having moved from the the wilderness or group of five independence into the Big Twelve, they've been great. But let's talk about some guys who have not been great. LinkedIn. Talent Solutions is your place to go. And LinkedIn is where a lot of head coaches are going right now. Because with only a few weeks left in the college football season, they'll be searching for new jobs. We've talked about the Bush Jones of the world. We've mentioned how Jimbo Fisher and his job's on the line. But let, let's let get let's go to you first, Kenton, on your your LinkedIn, your number one guy this week that needs to brush up
1: on that resume. Well, this is also going to go into my best bet of the week. But uh, Mr. Babers up there in New York, my mm-hmm. brother. You're mm. going to have to go.
0: Oh, dude, I, Kenton, it's Syracuse. They can do whatever they want. They don't have any NIL. I sure, mean, what are you sure
1: can. You, can. you can do whatever you want to an extent. You can't lose a game. This is this game got so ugly so quick. It legitimately was like, wait a minute. did Did Syracuse even get off the bus yet before Virginia Tech is leading by darn near 30 points? Yeah. This is a game. In which they didn't Virginia Tech didn't even need Kyron Drose to be special or good. He just kind of had to show up, hand the ball off a couple times. It'll be all right. This game was so non-competitive. I don't care what university you're at. If you want your athletics department to be taken seriously and you are a power five school, you have to be more competitive than this in a conference football game against the team that. Coming into the season was predicted as the second worst in the conference that started off the season in one of the worst ways in the conference. And now all of a sudden, you know, Dono and I talked about this off air in terms of how big the advantage is when you're talking Lane Stadium at night during the middle of the week. Yes, but that was so embarrassing. Dino, don't worry about it. Pack your bags. You know, update that LinkedIn. I got you. I got you. We can have you on Locked On College Football. You know, I mean, Dino's my guy, but they're not Syracuse's guy for much longer.
0: Yeah, Locked On Syracuse, Dino. That'd be awesome. How about uh- – Alex Dono, what do you well, got yeah, this week? I I, I got to bring up the name that I feel like
2: it was brought up so much weeks ago that people just got kind of tired of bringing up, and that's Tom Allen at Indiana. Like Ooh. it has, like I think the only thing that you know yeah. might potentially save his job is the buyout is ridiculously high, but I mean that that team is dreadful. And, you know, listen, Penn State, they're going to have their get right game tomorrow at noon when they face Indiana. No. Uh, all of a sudden, that offense that I just criticized is probably going to go off and score big points tomorrow. So that has to be said, that seat is very, very hot. Now, this is this is a seat that I wonder if it's warming up, guys. And, you know, I, I just watched uh, firsthand in person what happened last weekend with Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. Now, as a as a Miami guy, obviously, I I try to look at the positive. Miami played very very well with a freshman first time starting quarterback who was able to win that game. A lot of positive storylines. But when it comes to Clemson, that game was a disaster. You've got your starting quarterback going rogue on the final play where he was supposed (laughs) to hand it off. He tries to play hero ball, but then. Dabo throws him un- under the bus after that, which I thought Bingo. was a little a little Bingo. low class on Dabo's side. And and this is not in itself is not fireable, but Dabo made a very insensitive joke about suicide after the game, which is just a really bad look. Like that that in itself won't get you fired, but a lot of things have been working against Dabo Sweeney this year and in this era with the way he hasn't embraced NIL and hasn't embraced the transfer portal. I'm not saying the seat is hot, but the seat's getting warm.
0: Kenton back to you perspective as a former player. Cause I do want to go with, with what Dono just mentioned on Dabo Sweeney, throwing a player under the bus, you know, a reporter says it's an RPO and, and Dabo says, Nope, there was his quarterback had one job. Don't know what he was doing. Kid went rogue. Uh, do you, I know a lot of head coaches that would just take the fall and say, you know what? It was an RPO. He made a decision he thought was correct. And we, as a coaching staff didn't put him in the best. Set. And even if it's not true as a coach, it's just what you say to protect a 20 year old kid as a former player. Take yourself back to being in pads. I mean, is this something that if you're that QB, if you're on this team where you think, wow, I can't believe my head coach did this.
1: I, you know, people keep asking me, Kenton, what's the fix for Clemson? What's the fix? How do they get better? What's the fix? There is no structural fit. They need a structural fix. There is no small fix right now. Mm -hmm. Any small fix that you propose that's slapping flex seal on a dam that's cracking. It just doesn't make sense, right? RIP Billy Mays, but that will not get the job done. That is not how that's going to work out. So, um, in terms of what I have done, what Davo did, probably is Billy May's dead. He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, guys. You know. What, yeah, I don't
0: yeah. think he was flex seal. I don't think Billy May's was flex seal. He's what? oxyclean, oxyclean,
1: he was oxyclean. <laughs> but he, but yeah, he had, but he, he, he started that whole genre. All of them are his sons now. All of them are his sons. Okay, All of the you know what? The, I'll yeah. give it to you. Yeah, I'll so, give it to you. Thin know, ice, you, but I'll give it to you, Kenton. You, you got to, you got to give him his guts there, but anyway. Uh, The reality is very simple for this situation. If I'm Davo, I'm calling that out in the meeting room. And I'm Mm -hmm. saying, hey, guys, on the Sunday meeting, I'll take take the blame for it in front of the press. But on the Sunday meeting room, I'll say, hey, guys, you see what's happening here? Now, we called the play for Will Shipley to get it right here. And he's supposed to be going here. And it looks like if Will can beat one guy in the hole, he can get in the end zone. Now, He's a running back. This here's a running back. You know what he does? He runs the ball. He beats people in the hole. That's his whole job. That's the whole deal of what he does. But, but, but wait, y'all. We got a quarterback. The guy who's supposed to be throwing the ball. The one who's supposed to be making the good decisions. Deciding, hey, I don't give a damn about the team. I don't give a damn about what the coach says. I want the glory. I want the touchdown. I want, do you see what I get you? Do you see what I get you? I get you out here by yourself on an island with a linebacker that's bigger than you, stronger than you, faster than you, chasing you down. The team gets you one-on-one in the hole because we did it the right way. Let this be a lesson. Let you live with this. Let you sit with this, Cade, that this is squarely upon your shoulders, but not in the public. Never in the public. Never in the public.
0: That's the issue I have with it. I mean, look – Wholly have an issue with the kid. Now that Dabo said that, this this player went rogue. You think, wow, kids shouldn't have done that. Also, Dabo shouldn't have done it. You know, it's something that we as the public never needed to know. Guys, I, I, I and Dono, you're the resident betting expert. We need to make some money this weekend. I Last week was wild enough that it threw me in for a loop. Had it not been for the Utah win, I would have been out a couple of dollars at FanDuel.com. This week, we bounce back. Let's go. Best bets. Dono, what do you have circled?
2: Well, uh, I am going to circle back, too, because I want to reiterate for those who tuned in late. I do like Florida to cover 14 and a half against Georgia. Georgia, garbage against the spread at 1-5-1 and this year. No Brock Bowers rivalry game, neutral site. Uh, neutral site, obviously, there's going to be a lot of fans from both sides there in Jacksonville. Plenty of Florida fans will be in attendance. But uh, I think Florida does not win outright, but I think they do cover in the game. Uh, oftentimes I like to look at really, really big lines this time of year that, that maybe shouldn't be so big. I'm looking at, uh, Notre Dame given 20 and a half points this week against Pittsburgh. Uh, I think Pitt, even on the road can keep it a little bit closer than that. They've obviously been a Jekyll and Hyde team, but they did pull off a surprise upset against Louisville this year. So I think Pittsburgh might be able to cover that one. Uh, Trying to think of any other ones that we didn't cover yet so far this year. Let me, uh, why don't you, Oh, here's another one I was looking at. Uh, Now I do think this team will cover a double digit spread. 24th ranked USC At Cal, no home field environment whatsoever there in Berkeley. Uh, I think USC is being underrated a little bit based on what their defense has done the last couple of weeks. This is not the offense to truly exploit that. I think USC covers 10.5 against Cal, no problem. So I'm going to look at that one as another one. I expect USC to win big.
1: Yeah. Kenton, where do you land this week on making some dough? So let's let me give you two. And one of them is actually retroactive. And some some of y'all are going to say I'm cheating because of that. But the reality Mm -hmm. is, if you watch Locked On ACC, you know that I gave you this one. I was screaming from the hilltops and I'm not even a betting man here. Virginia Tech was only favored by three points against Syracuse. Syracuse had every single loss that they've had. First of all, Syracuse hadn't won a conference game yet. Let's start there. Every single conference game that they played got successively worse and worse and worse by the game. And not, not to mention everybody in their mama who wears an orange jersey is banged up right now. So the reality is that game again. Watch some locked on ACC because I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the Nuggets right there. I knew that there was no way Virginia Tech won that game by only three points. They end up rolling. Now another game that I'm saying, hey, what's going on here? I yeah. told y'all Drake said that we not giving the Big Twelve enough love. Well, come on, come on, Big Twelve, y'all. y'all can see the, you can see your LL Cool J. I need love, and I'm gonna bring it in. I'm gonna give you some love, okay? Oh, Oklahoma only being a what six point favorite or so over. It's nine
0: 10? now. It's up to nine, nine.
1: yeah, nine, uh, yeah, even nine. Yeah. Give me, give me Oklahoma. Yep. Give me Oklahoma. What love are we doing here? Yes. Kansas is a decent team. I don't think they're terrible. But I think that Oklahoma is a good team. I think that they bounce back. And I know that bounce back after a win seems counterintuitive. But I think for Oklahoma's goals, there cannot get more victories. But you can have a moral loss where it's like, we should have beat this team by more. We should have hung 50 on this team, and we did not end up doing so. I think Brent Venables gets the boys right, and they solidly cover in this one. Uh,
0: Billy Mays has been dead since 2009. That is really tight. <laughs> no one told Breaking them. news. And- 14 years later, no one told me, but also he didn't do the Flex Seal commercials, Kenton, so take that.
2: I mean, uh, I've already spoiled a movie from 1999, <laughs> and now, yeah. now we've covered breaking news on a death from 2000. Don't geez. worry, Drake
1: told you, you got to tell us what 2029 is going to bring us. Yeah, since, wait till know, I tell you is guys about it.
0: Wait till i tell you guys about Michael Jackson. You're really going to hate this news later on in the show. <laughs> and, uh, my uh, my best bets in college football this week, I want to stick in the Big 12 as well because it's what I know best with Locked On Big 12, and there are a couple of them. Kansas, Oklahoma was one of my best bets on Thursday on the show. How about UCF, who is 0-4 in Big 12 play, has lost four consecutive games playing West Virginia. Sure, West Virginia in a slump, but you're telling me UCF's going to win this game by a touchdown? This team that's never won a big 12 game is going to win by a touchdown against Garrett Green and C.J. Donaldson. Give me West Virginia plus seven this week. I also really like BYU plus 20 points. I might buy a half point, buy a point of that as well against Texas on the road. Now, I get it. I get it. Texas is the far superior team, but a backup freshman quarterback playing for the first time i will always take a three touchdown spread especially against a five and two team with a 28 year old quarterback in byu i think the cougars cover three touchdowns now when we come back we'll give you some game time decisions we will pick winners and losers from the biggest games of this week but first we'll take it to dono we got to talk about prize picks, guys. Prize Picks is
2: the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. Guys, I've been playing Prize Picks since 2020. I'm so happy they're aboard the Locked On family this year. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of betting, uh battling against thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, all you do against the numbers, you pick more or less. Than on two to six players stat projections and then you watch the winnings roll in guys you can win up to 25 times your money with a few clicks and less than 60 seconds you can turn $10 into $250 Prize picks also they offer quick withdrawals easy gameplay and an enormous selection of players and stat types that that's what makes Prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And the prize picks reboot policy is so clutch. Your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For all NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks is the only DFS platform with injury insurance. Go to prizepix.com locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Prize picks truly is daily fantasy sports made
0: easy. All right, fellows, game time decisions this week. Georgia, Florida, the outdoor it's, – it's way too long of a name. Can we just call it the cocktail party? The largest outdoor cocktail party ever existed in college football. The, who do you got, Kenton Gibbs?
1: I think Georgia wins a close one. I think Jack. that Georgia um, – You know, I think Georgia is the better team by a lot. I think that they kind of walk in and hit the I don't really feel like it, button the same way they have multiple times this year, but they have enough to overcome that in the end. Dono. Georgia's run defense and their third down
2: defense will be the keys in this game. Florida has been awful on third down all year. I think they're going to move it pretty well at times on early down struggle on third downs. I've got Georgia winning this game by seven points. I think it's going to be close, but the Bulldogs pull it
0: out. Good chance we look up at halftime and it's 17-14, 2017 Florida up. I I wouldn't be shocked if it's Florida first half, but Georgia pulls the game out. that would got to be the script the Bulldogs have worked with this season. Give me Georgia 31-20, somewhere in that neighborhood. They don't cover 17-and-a-half or 14-and-a-half, but they do end up winning this football game outright. Let's go 230 on ABC. BYU at Texas, one that we just talked about. Dono, I'll send it back to you. Yeah, I agree
2: with your assessment. I think Texas wins, but I think they win close. I think BYU covers the gigantic spread, and uh, and the Longhorns will continue to at least make their case for staying alive in a potential college football playoff picture.
0: Yeah, for this one, I'm actually going to take BYU to win. I like it. Now, that's insane. It's insane. I, I, I get it. There are a lot of people that scream in the comments, but BYU has done this season the the opposite of what they're supposed to do nationally right when all of college football is saying oh they're going to lose to Arkansas on the road by 10 15 they won that ball game when you're saying hey they've got a struggling TCU team in Fort Worth and a 230 snoozer they should win that game they lost 44 to 11 this week they should get blown out by Texas we saw the cracks in UT the cracks in the armor last week against Houston I think this week somebody finally catches up to the Longhorns give me BYU outright Kenton
1: BYU is the person with a master's degree in astrophysics, but they are working at Papa John's. You don't know who they are. You don't know why they are. It doesn't make sense to you. But what does make sense to me is Texas pulling off this game by less than the spread, but winning yeah. outright.
0: Yeah. Duke or Louisville, Kenton?
1: Oh, give me Louisville. L's up. This game, no Riley Leonard, no soup for you, no win for Duke. Uh, give me Louisville in the easy one. Yeah, are you right there, Dono?
2: Yeah, I go Louisville by probably two touchdowns. Uh, I, I'm I'm going with uh, I'm going with it. Like Kenton said, a relatively easy win.
0: I liked Duke until you guys convinced me otherwise. The panel likes Louisville in this game on Saturday afternoon. Let's take you back to the <laughs> SEC. Kentucky hosts Tennessee. Tennessee three and a half point favorites on the road. Number twenty one team in America. Dono, do you like the Vols here? I don't I think I like Kentucky to pull this one off oh. I mean the, the, the Vols have let me down
2: against the spread and overall you saw what happened in the second half against Alabama obviously this is not Bama but I I, I something tells me Kentucky's gonna pull off a mild upset
1: yeah Ken you know I I I want to believe in Kentucky I mm-hmm. want Devin Lear to do well I care so much for that young man and I, I really do wish him the best in all the good things And Joe Milton has struggled mightily this season so far, but I can't bring myself to say, hey, Ray Davis is going to be enough for y'all to win this game. I can't do it. I I just, I won't do it. I'm going to go Tennessee winning a very close one. I'm not sure if they cover, but I think Mm. that they win this game.
0: Can't get the vision of Kentucky, Missouri out of my head. That game was Mm -hmm. in Lexington. Give Give me Tennessee as well on the road this week. A couple more before we get to the game of the week. Colorado goes to UCLA, Dono.
2: Man, I've, Colorado are big underdogs in this one, right? 16 it's
0: like, and a
2: half, yeah. 16, man, UCLA is going to win. Colorado is going to cover. So I, I do have the
1: Bruins, but I think think that's too big of a spread. Yeah. Caton, can Colorado pull the upset? I'm upset at the odds makers for making me say nice things about Dante Moore. Yes, they're, they're, Colorado can upset, but the reality is they won't. That front, defensively, too good for UCLA. Colorado is a terrible offensive line. If us three were rushing against Colorado, <laughs> I know for a fact we could get us a sack or two. I have no. Yeah. Hey, let me tell you something now. Let me you tell could. you something. Let me. We, we could. It's a unit, it's oh, us, okay. okay? The locked on college football line crew could get a sack against them. And with that being said, I think that UCLA has enough offensively to get it done. And de- defensive line wise, they're going to keep Shador scrambling and running all day. No watches will be shown on this day. Oh. Uh, give me UCLA.
0: I'll go with the Bruins as well. Their two losses are very quality losses in Pac-12 play. How about Georgia Tech hosting North Carolina? Dono, this is a game where the Tar Heels have to bounce back. Oh, this is a get-right game for North
2: Carolina. They they learned the most valuable lesson Uh. last week getting beaten by Virginia. And despite, like, you don't win too many games when one of your scoring chances, you fumble into the other team's end zone. Virginia was able to overcome that and still win the game. That was embarrassing. North Carolina just didn't give them any respect. They have no choice but to give Georgia Tech respect. U- UNT is, UNC is such a better team than the Yellow Jackets. They're going to get it done.
0: Kenton, give me an upset.
1: I wish I could. Ah. It would make me smile. I'd love nothing more than to say the hills are going down again. Unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. As much as I like Key and company, they just don't have the horses in the stable. They're not as talented. They're not as deep. They They are... You know, I made this – I said this last week on Locked – or actually this week on Locked on ACC. Georgia Tech is a lot like a girlfriend with a guy who's bad and bad as her partner. They just can't finish to save their lives. So, with that being said, I am a 1,000% sure that even if they come out and get a lead, Drake May is going to do his Drake May thing and end up uh, taking this game away in the last minute. Give me UNC.
0: Game of the week, number eight, Oregon. Number 13, Utah, 2.30 p.m. on Fox in Salt Lake City at Rice Eccles. Kenton Gibbs, who wins
1: this ball game? You know I've done so well going against Bo Nix so far this season, and I feel like I need to continue this because guess what? Utah in Utah, how you gonna beat them? Those boys are absolute menaces at home. Give me the Utes. Oh Donna, where do
2: you land? I'm so tempted, uh, and. and Utah has been so good, even without rising all year. But this is a different Oregon from the last few years that Utah had the number of. I'm I'm going with the Ducks.
0: Utah throws, and it's incomplete. They run, and it's for a loss. They special teams, and it doesn't look great, but they win the ball game. They are the, the better team defensively, and that means a lot this week. They down the Ducks in Salt Lake. Two out of the three on the panel like the Utah Utes as seven point dogs to win outright. And give me the Baylor Bears on top of Iowa State. That is Alex Dono of Locked On Canes. Kenton Gibbs of Locked On ACC and Locked On Wolfpack. Drake Toll of Locked On Big 12. As always, this has been Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Thank you for making it your lunchtime lesson every single Friday. We'll see you next week.